2: Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spasciano, joined, as always, by the BS Express himself, Benny Scallop. Benny, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing
1: great, Dan. I, I, I do believe we're going to entitle this episode Three and a Half Italians, and we're actually going to talk about another Italian.
2: <laughs> that we are. We, we we always try and keep things uh, lighthearted on the show. Um, this might not be as as fun as some of our normal conversations but not in a bad way this is obviously t- tonight the goal is to talk the uh memorial we're coming a year passing of of our first guest and friend of the show dominic Danucci. benny you remember uh i mean when we started we kind of you and i had were talking about spinning the show off we pretty much said because you had pitched the idea that it wouldn't have worked without a, a first voice to really get us going
1: Dominic was absolutely. We couldn't have gotten a, had a better first guest, and it was right right before his birthday. Um, just it just all worked out very very well, and he was great.
2: Yeah, and he was a lot of good stories, and and unfortunately he you know left us too soon. But Benny, why don't you tell everybody who we've got with us tonight? Talk about the memory of their friend and the impact he's had on our lives. Absolutely. So our
1: first guest, and we had Les Thatcher on a couple of weeks ago. We called him Slash. Because he did so many different things in the wrestling business. you know. And, and our first guest is going to be, he's another slash. He was actually a wrestler slash manager slash referee slash promoter slash author. Author of the wonderful book, Bruno San Martino, the autobiography of wrestling's living legend, Mr. Sal Corrente. And also our great friend from Kansas City, Missouri, weighing 245 pounds. Former NWA, Hopefully, I get this right, Texas Rest Nux champion, Mr. Davey O'Hannon. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure. Welcome to Dan and Benny in the Ring.
0: My pleasure.
2: Well, before we get started, Benny, on talking about the memories of Dominic DiNucci, unfortunately, the wrestling world took two blows this week. One uh, coming off our re- had recently been on the show, uh, the unfortunate passing of Mike Jones. Uh, you brought that to my attention a couple of days ago. Um, that was a, a great interview. We had a lot of fun with that. The stories he told. Um, his in, he has another one whose impact will be felt, like they say, with you know dominoes. Uh, uh, small small things he did will be felt years from now. And the other that, obviously, the news broke today was the passing of Judo Jean Labelle, and that's you know another lost that that really i mean when you talk about people who impact i mean how many times has that name come up in interviews and conversations with older people uh or and and some of the the that that generation i mean where they talk about you know all the 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 training and the impact and even now in recent years some of the i don't want to say guest attractions but um People, uh, non-wrestlers that have competed when they were really good it was kind of a joke like oh they must have trained with LaBelle so <laughs> yeah. you know I'm, what, what do you think Benny
1: well you know as, as far as uh, Mike I mean Mike was a great guest he wasn't on that long ago maybe you know about seven or eight months ago and you know I, I became Facebook friends with him and he'd always you know he'd always have a I, I, I post something, you know, that, that I would think is funny and he'd always laugh. And when I when I first heard it, I, first of all, I thought I thought the other Mike Jones, which was is Virgil.
2: Yeah, that's what and I thought when you told. Yeah, me. Yeah. And then when I thought that, it was like,
1: you know, Mike, our Mike Jones, like, oh, my God, just it's scary. And I think, you know, both Davy and South can relate. You know, when you get you get a little bit older and, you know, people close to your age. You know, to me, well, that's
0: for sure. Yeah.
1: It was just so
0: sure. sudden with Mike. Ah, uh, yeah. I listen. Mike Jones was a, a close personal friend and it's, uh, it's devastating to think that he's, uh, he's gone. Uh, he's, you know, one of the last persons you'd, you'd think that, uh, that would happen to unbelievable, just unbelievable. I was, uh, I was dumbfounded when I got the, uh, message on it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm heading up, uh, Friday to his, to the service for him. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, my wife reminded me, we were at his daughter's christening. I mean, you know, we were, we were pretty close and, uh, he was a quality individual. And he
1: was a, he was a decent wrestler. I mean, I had no idea until you know when we invited him on, and I start you know we started doing a little bit of research. I had no idea. He actually, I mean, he 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 was a big star in Los Angeles, and he actually defeated oh, yeah. Victor Rivera for the uh, the Americas title, which back then was a very prestigious title. So.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike was a great hand in the ring. He's one of Johnny Rogers' guys. That's where he got the training, and uh, yep. and. You know, I I worked with him a whole bunch of times when he first started, you know, uh, naturally, uh, you know, coming from Johnny's school. And then it's when the WWF was still a a wrestling organization. And, uh, you know, Mike came in and, you know, because he was one of Johnny's guys, you know, he he got taken care of by the boys. Uh, Not that he needed to, because he was a great hand in the ring. He was a great hand in the ring. And... uh, you know, on top of that, uh, you know, he was a, a quality individual. That, Absolutely. You,
1: you
3: know, let me say we should be seeing in the future, um, Mike on, I believe it's vice TV. Um, vice TV has been going around filming wrestlers, uh, regarding the old territory days and, uh, Mike along with, um, princess Victoria and, um, Lynn Denton, the um, the grappler, um, they were interviewed. I think it was just the three of them were interviewed about the Portland territory just a few months ago. So I don't know when that'll be released, but that's something you can uh, look for. I think he flew to Atlanta for that. Um, and I don't really think it's 90 days maximum. It's probably less than that, but um, so we'll be seeing that in
2: the future. No, well, no, that's a, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that was something we were chatting on the page, the, Vice TV just announced that I believe it was this week in in conjunction with uh The Rock or Dwayne Johnson is producing it's it's a territory that's, show that's right. and it's the spiritual successor to the dark side of the ring it's the same style with the that's right. with the, so uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the AWA
3: the ahead, AWA had Greg Gagne, Jim Brunsell, and um, I don't know if it was Kim Patera or Von Raschke. Oh, oh, I know Gagne and Brunzel were two of the guys for the AWA, and uh, but Mike Jones was definitely one. And you know, my first tag team match that I ever refereed in the New Haven Coliseum, Mike Jones and well, it was Rocky Jones at the time. He he was no longer Mike Masters. Uh, him and another guy wrestled the Alaskans from the AWA. Big house, AWA Backland, and maybe Kendo Nagasaki in the main event or something. I don't know. But it was big for me. It was a show where the wrestlers could speak English. Davey Ohannon was on it, and he did a run in in the main event. And I worked one or two matches. Then after that, next thing you know, I'm from 200 people. I'm in a $50,000 house. And uh, that was my first tag match. So it goes back a long way. I'm just sorry I didn't meet. Davey O'Hannon That day it took us way too long to meet because yeah. we become very good
0: friends. Yeah, sure did.
3: And um, a lot of yeah. You know, Bruno used to say, ah, "You know, Davey O'Hannon? No, Bruno, I don't. I, I know who he is. We were on a show together, but no, I've never met him. We didn't end up meeting until JJ J. Dillon made the introduction so many years later. Yep, yep.
0: That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Hey, listen, you, you go through this business uh, and work territories, and, and there's guys uh, that you know. Uh, or you know of, but you never ran across them. You you, you talked about uh, Les Thatcher. I mean, he was a legend in the business. Uh, I was never in the same place with him at the same time. You know, uh, I know who he is. I know who he was. I know how important he was to our business. Uh, I know what kind of reputation he had, but never in the same place.
2: Hmm. You, you know, it's funny. You, you talk about <clears throat> some of the talent that he worked with. Um, one of the Clips, whatever you want to call it Like, like shots that we were sent When we were, I was putting everything together For the interview with uh, the, the Mike Masters show that we had Was from an event In uh, uh, I, I don't remember the year, but it was like an, a clip Of an old ad for it The main event was Ken Patera And Ivan Putzky And Mike was teaming with Tito Santana Against the Samoans uh, wow. he, I think he said it was in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. I'd have to look back through the messages, but I, I remember because the in the little ad it said that the ticket prices were were four and six dollars. Man, and I'm looking at the card and it had you know Mike Masters and Tito Santana and there was Bobby Duncombe and Dominant versus Dominic Dinucci was one of the matches and the bonus match was Lou Albano and Pat Patterson, Johnny Raz and uh, you know Renee Goulier were on there and I'm like I'm looking at literally every name on that on that list is some form of legend or Hall of Fame talent and you could have seen them for six bucks like how
0: well you know what I mean first of all, I gotta ask you are are you guys are you guys at an airport or something man in, unless my ears are finally going completely crazy I'm hearing some serious noise there but uh, I'm sitting up in our loft and then you mentioned a poster and I'm looking at uh, a poster from the Ocean Beach Auditorium in uh, New London Connecticut and, uh, of course, I had to get up and walk closer to it so I could see it. Uh, ringside Reserve is $5. <laughs> Children under 12 The main event was Putski and Spiros Arion, uh, two legends in the business. Uh, uh, I was lucky enough to be in the semi-main, and it was Bugsy McGraw and I uh, working with Kevin Sullivan and Haystacks Calhoun. Oh wow. And uh, you know, yeah, also on the card was Johnny Rod's a guy named Francisco Flores, who was a great oh, worker in the ring. Yeah, yeah. Uh uh Manny Soto. I mean, you know, a pretty good card and uh, and like you just mentioned, you know, you you can get a ringside seat for for six dollars. You can what? get a ringside general general admission four dollars. <laughs>
1: I got to put in my plug for, like, how much better wrestling was back then, besides the fact that, you know, it was actually wrestling. But and just from a fan's perspective, you know, it, living in Long Island, um, I mean, theoretically, if I, you know, I, I was a little bit younger back then. I couldn't drive. But if I had a license, I could go I could go to the Garden. I could go to uh, Sunnyside Gardens. I can go to White Plains. I could go to, I guess, Poughkeepsie maybe. I mean, I could yep. see these guys maybe – Maybe five times a month?
0: Oh, you know? sure, sure. You know, you had the Nassau Coliseum out there, like you just said. Right. Sunnyside Gardens. Sunnyside Garden, great arena. Uh, a lot of characters, got a tremendous history. Uh, out on the island, you had the Island Garden Arena. My first Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, places like that. And like you just said, if you traveled, White Plains, the county center was a great place to work. Ridgewood Grove was a fantastic place to work, the Brooklyn Rollerama. I mean, these places all had some real character. And, uh, you know, I always say, it, it, we, we have an expression that takes takes three to tango. You know, two guys in the ring wrestling, the referee. Uh, but what a lot of guys leave out is you really can't have a complete show without the fans. Because they, and and the announcer, and whoever else... It, it's all it's all one package, man, and and that uh, you know the fans add to that package. They add to that package, and you know if it's if it's a tough house and if people are quiet or they're not into it or they're not informed, it's really hard for the guys in the ring to work. You know that's why it's so hard to work in Japan, uh, because the people kind of sit in their seat and clap, or if you take a big bump or crazy bump, uh, sometimes they'll giggle or laugh. Uh, but it's not wild like it is here. The people here were invested uh, in the wrestlers, and and that's what made it so good and so successful.
1: Well, well, I mean, like just reference the Garden, and you know when there was no entrance music, and oh but, no, but the, you know the main event, you know the crowd would be kind of like you know buzzing, and all of a sudden the crowd would just absolutely. Oh rise. yeah. And then it's because, you know, Bruno was making his way to the ring, you know, no fanfare, no entrance music, you know, not like no pyrotechnics. It was just Bruno. And that was enough. Yeah.
0: The, to be, to, the people, yeah, the atmosphere, the atmosphere was unbelievable. It was Evan unbelievable. Said and the, I re- the
1: building which actually shook.
0: Yeah. I remember it as a kid. I went to the old garden. I I got to watch Bruno beat Buddy Rogers, uh, for the title. You know, I was a fan and, and, you know, I got to go, uh, and, and see these things happen, you know, in in a lot of the other arenas also, uh, and for me, the extra added treat was when I finally got into the business, a lot of the guys that I had watched as a fan were still working. so, so that was, uh, you know, if, if getting in a ring as a wrestler was a dream come true, uh, here I am with, uh, with guys like, uh, Dominic and Mike Cicluna and, Haystacks and Bruno and Spiros and, you know, it was, uh, it was surreal and, but it was so much different then it was so much. Like you just said, no entrance music. I didn't need that. You know, the people were there, they were informed. They know what they liked and what they didn't like. And, and they made the show.
1: And, and I absolutely. think they saw, they saw you guys often enough that there was kind of a personal connection there, I think.
0: Oh Yeah 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 I mean, and and like I said, now the now again, i don't I could not even tell you who was working for the companies uh, in the ring, don't know them, uh, don't know their names. Uh, I' never get to see it. I don't turn it on for any reason i'm I'm just not interested, but you know, back when I was working, uh, the the people believed. Or they suspended, suspended their disbelief for a little while, and they were serious wrestling fans. They were serious. They, did, they didn't need uh, music. Uh, they didn't need some guy hopping in the ring and standing on the uh, second strand of ropes and, and trying to work the crowd up. They didn't need that. They knew what they wanted to see, you know. And and they were so smart, the fans, that if if somebody was dumb enough to shortchange them in the ring, they let them know that, too. You know, that was a big no-no. You didn't do that uh, when you got in the ring. You you were in there for a reason, and you had to appreciate the people that were there. You know, I mean, uh, I hear people say the marks. I never used that expression. Uh, it's, uh, it's disrespectful. Uh, you know, the old-timers, we called the crowd the people. That's who it was. The Fans. people.
2: Yeah. Yeah, a, t- a term that just recently returned to the wrestling lexicon. Fans, something well, they're allowed to say on yeah. TV again. No more universe. No, actually, somebody pointed out. So, that- um, Go ahead.
3: Well, I just want to say before we get too far off topic here, um, because we got to get to Dominic, I'm sure, uh, here soon. Is uh, you know we were talking about passings, and uh, I certainly.
2: Don't want to let the passing of Black Jack Brown go by. Yeah, that was actually going to be the next point we brought up. But yes, yeah, since, okay. since you. No, go ahead. What, any, any thoughts on that? Obviously? Well, I have a lot of thoughts on
3: that. Um, you know, both of us were, were friends of Black Jack's. And, you know, for those who may not know, it was without Black Jack Brown, I might have never been connected to Bruno San Martino. Um, he's the one that made the introduction. Of course, you know, after that, it just kind of came along naturally. But I had never met Bruno. Bruno was gone from the WWF by the time I got there. Um, Obviously, I knew who he was, but I had never really seen him wrestle other than, uh, um, you know, I did see him at Shea Stadium, but I wasn't a fan early in life and, and so forth. So I've always been extremely appreciative of Blackjack, you know, making that introduction because it led to, you know, to so many things and trips and the book and and everything. And Blackjack was always there willing to lend a hand. He's the kind of guy that accomplished a lot, but did it with no fanfare. Look, I got to be honest with you. I was not aware that Bruno had passed. There was Blackjack Brown who called me and said, is it true? I said, is what true? And he said, well, I'm told that Bruno passed away. And I said, well, I don't know that, but I'm going to tell you that if you heard it, it's true. I checked with the Martino family. Um, They, of course, confirmed it. Um, This was early that morning. Uh, Then I called J.J. Dillon, who called Davey, and then we started making arrangements to go to Pittsburgh. But, you know, Blackjack was very connected to the office. But for the most part, at least after I met him, now he was certainly around longer, and Davey probably knew him long before I did. But it seemed like everything he did, he moved the chess pieces around from the back, Instead of the front, but you never heard anyone say a bad word about the guy ever.
0: Well, oh, that's if he could for sure. Help you, yeah, yeah. He
3: would. So I just want to make well, sure. he, that, he was, yeah. you know,
0: he was a he was a fixture, man. He was he was a fixture in the business, you know, in this New York territory, and and just you know the the short part of it is, uh, he was very well liked and very well respected. And he was accepted into our little closed shop. Uh, The the guys uh, had a had a very high opinion of Blackjack, and uh, when Sal sent me the note and said that he had passed on, you know, I immediately got a a picture in my mind's eye uh, of him because he was always there, no matter where we were. Uh, And and uh, yeah, he's Blackjack's loss is is a loss to. Many of us that were uh, involved in this business, and uh, oh, you know, it's a tough. You know, tough show right now. Tough show uh, with these people we're talking about.
1: Now, now, blackjack did prime. He did a lot of photography, correct? And then, then he did a lot of writing for the programs. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, the programs and the newspapers in New York.
1: Oh, the new. Okay,
0: all right. Yeah, and the newspapers, which, which, you know, you guys know how hard it was to get a newspaper to report on professional wrestling. You know, know, He was was a
3: source for the slammer um, that used to write in the Daily News. He was definitely a big source for that. He was with PLJ Radio. I brought the Samoans up to PLJ. Blackjack was the wrestling consultant. He was there with us, of course. Um, He just did a little bit. Of, of everything. And, uh, and yeah, you know where true his true. connection to Bruno came from was when Bruno was not with the WWF, they, uh, they had the one 800 gab line and Bruno was, uh, you know, a paid host. And, uh, I would come on in those days. I was a troubleshooting referee going to different territories of Puerto Rico and, and Minnesota and you, you name it, I was heading there. And, uh, so we would talk and I guess blackjack tells the story. One day, Bruno said, uh, blackjack, this other guy you got on the phone, who is he? So he explained to Bruno who I was and because he had never heard of me, and he shouldn't have heard of me. Um, but, uh, you know, that gab line lasted a while. And then guys, I understand Buddy Rogers was on once, recently me and um, Blackjack. Wearing... I was really just in touch with Blackjack a few weeks ago about Bobo Brazil. And he said, you know, I had him on the gab line a few times, and uh, Bruno and Bobo got along uh, very well. His family, when I told him I wrote Bruno's book, he said, you know, Bruno spent the night in our house a few times. And I said, "Wow, no, I didn't. I didn't know that." But Bruno, like wow. uh, Bobo, but so I was glad I had a chance to talk to Black Jack um, very recently. And a, a good friend of uh, at least mine, I, I guess Davey, uh, if he knows Mitch, uh, Mitch Seinfeld, Pitch Man Mitch, uh, been around a yep. long time. Used to wrestle a little bit, promote um, him and George Napolitano flew out for the day to take part in the services and, and came back on on Wednesday. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, George uh, George worked with Blackjack a lot and they didn't even hesitate. They got early flight, I mean they had a long day. They had to get to LaGuardia early in the morning and get back home. It was a it was a long day, but they were happy they went and I'm glad they they got to go but well, we, uh, just in a week where so many people are passing, I didn't I certainly didn't want a guy like Blackjack to potentially be honestly, overlooked.
0: I, yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah,
2: you know, I, I think it's an interesting side note. The um, Justin Roberts, the ring announcer for AEW, credits Blackjack with getting kind of helping him when he first got into the business. And at the AEW tapings on Wednesday, the would that be the, August third, he actually wore the black photographer's gloves um, in the while he was in the oh. ring doing the announcing, which I thought was a nice little nod. You know, the, yeah, the, fing- the fingerless. That.
3: Right, the fingerless gloves, yeah. I was very surprised to oh. hear to see that Bubba Ray Dudley wrote that he helped the Dudleys get into the WWF. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure if Bubba Ray said that. That's what happened. So, you know, I, but I didn't know that. And, you know, let me say this. Blackjack could have helped 100 people. When he talked to the 101st person, you wouldn't have heard him brag or talk about anything that he did for the previous 100.
0: Wow. Nope. Just the way he that's was. That's for sure. Yeah, he was a he was a good man. He really was a good man, and you know, uh, another another element of sadness uh, recently. That's for sure.
2: Well, obviously, gentlemen, we can only, like you said, not not some of the easiest topics to get to, but we did bring you on. It's it's been a year, and Dominic was a, a big friend of the show. Obviously, Benny and I said we we couldn't have gotten the show started really without him. Uh, Benny, I'm going to give you the first question. What are you thinking?
1: I guess the, the the first question would be, how did you guys come to meet Dominic? I think Davey, you had told me a story once where you were wrestling, and uh, I, I, did he say something like, uh, "Hey kid, did you hurt yourself?" Oh
0: uh, yeah, yeah. I, I had just come in. From, I had just come in from Kansas City, uh, where I broke in. Uh, not I, well, it wasn't a breaking in. There were no schools. Uh, breaking in then was on the job training. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'd uh, gone up to Buffalo uh, to work for Pedro Martinez, and uh, they used to have a ring up there. There was an old-timer named Baron Gattoni. Uh, had a ring. It was, it was the worst ring on the face of the earth. Uh, there were boards sticking up. There were holes in the ring, and there were metal cables covered by hard rubber, uh, which were a nightmare. I mean, you could hit your face on it and, and open your head up, uh, but... What you had to do is when you when you ran into the ropes, uh, what you learn rather quickly uh, is you got to hang an arm over that rope when you go into it. Uh, I mean, not a, I'm sure you guys have seen uh, and and this is not not a knock on the girls' wrestling, but you sometimes you see the women will uh, try to run into the ropes, they kind of stop before they get there, lean on it, and then continue whatever they're doing which, uh, used to drive me crazy. You know, I'd say, just don't do that if you're not going to do it. So, uh, anyway, uh, I didn't know to put my arm over that top rope. Uh, you know, I was pretty sweaty. It was a hot building. Uh, I leaned into the rope, uh, and the top rope went up my back over my head and I sailed out of the ring backwards, uh, and landed on my head on the floor. Uh, quite possibly, uh, Another concussion. Well, there's no doubt another concussion. But anyway, it sounded like the referee was talking to me for about a mile away. And uh, when they picked me up and, and were walking me back to the dressing room, uh, I noticed the guy that was kind of leaning on his elbow watching the matches standing in the little runway. And as we went by, I heard a voice say, Did you hurt yourself, a kid? And I went, I didn't know what the hell that was. So I, you know, into the dressing room, ice pack on my head and on my neck, took a shower, and then it dawned on me who it was, said, did you hurt yourself? So I dried off from the shower I was in. I walked into the dressing room area, and, you know, of course, there's always a card game or something going on, and Dominic is sitting there playing cards. Uh, I'm pretty sure Gino Monsoon was there because he always played cards, Uh, Mike Cicluna. You know, I just I don't recall whoever else was in the dressing room. But I said, uh, excuse me a minute. Uh, I said, did you just say to me, did you hurt of yourself, kid? <laughs> he says, yeah. He says, I see you land on your head. You'll get hurt, kid. And that's how I met Dominic. I, you know, That's how I met Dominic. And uh, and from then on, it was, uh, it was a, a tremendous, tremendous friendship. Uh, and... Uh, and we went on. I'm up in my loft right now. I, just, you know, I told you about that poster before. But at my desk, there's a picture of Dominic staring at me. You know, uh, I, I, I hear his voice in my head every day. I hear his voice. He was, he was a part of our family. Uh, you know, babysat my kids and uh, was at our house and we were together so much. Uh that that he certainly was a part of our family.
1: Sal, how about you?
3: I'm going to have to be honest with you and tell you that I don't remember. Um, You know, I used to work security in the back door now in town, but everybody was behind the curtain. Um, You know, so I, I don't recollect running into him there and in Hamburg. Um, I would work security on the heel side and get the drinks and the coffee when I first started. And, you know, as Davey will tell you, it was a long way from the heel side to the baby, bay, you just didn't go over there. So oh, I yeah. didn't meet him over there either. I probably met him in some towns. The two memories I do have of my earliest memories of Dominic are one uh, refereeing a match between him and Larry Winters. Um, and Larry was a little apprehensive and in the match and he's, you know, he's trying to get Larry to lay it in. And, uh, you know, Larry's just not wanting to do that, I guess. Um, you know, working with a big star and he didn't, you know, he just didn't want to do it. And eventually Dominic said, okay, kid, let me show you how this gets done. He spins him around, starts whacking. This is how to do it, kid. <laughs>
0: so yep. I've, never, I've never, Larry Withers
3: was a great guy, good hand, but, um, you, you know, sometimes you just got to wake somebody up. Then, uh, I had a tag match scheduled, me and somebody. I don't remember if it was Stan Lane or Jimmy Garvin. I, I don't remember who it was, but it was me and one of them against Dominic DeNucci and uh, Preston Steele, was one of Dominic's students. And for whatever reason, one of them couldn't make it, so I called Sika last minute, and he came in. So me and Sika had a tag match against Dominic and um, and Pete, and it, and it all went fine. Um, but I do I remember. Um You know, I was young in the ring at the time, and uh as we as we left the arena in the car, Sika said, well, when you got Dominic in the corner like that, what's your rush? Take your time, roll your sleeve down, give him a damn whack. He said, Dominic'll wait for you and i just I just always totally, totally remembered that um you know, I'm sure I was rushing through it a little bit, but um those are my earliest um and there memories. Keep in mind, when I first started wrestling, when somebody was matched up against, and I didn't, you know, go to the towns yet right away, when somebody wrestled Dominic DiNucci on television, that was a big deal. Because if you got by him, you were pretty much headed for backlund. So when you got elevated instead of beating shit out of guys, you know, Dominic would have you rocking there for a little while, but ultimately one of the heel managers was going to do something or, or whatever it was. But, you know, you always had hope that Dominic would stop the guy from getting the back but never happened that way of course um but uh but that was exciting for me as a fan because that was a a match that you knew was going to be somewhat competitive and you always felt like he had a chance
0: and Dominic was a tough guy to work with because he was he was so big he was all arms and legs uh but uh you know if you knew how to work I mean I you know I worked with Dominic a zillion times a zillion times uh, and, uh, you know, I, I can't say I ever had a bad one with him. I can't say I ever had a bad one, you know, and, you know, we knew each other well enough, and like Sal said, you know, newer guys or guys that that had a different position would be a little hesitant to lay him in. You know, I was, I was kind of known as a, a close worker, snug, so when I did something, you know, I did it uh, because I wanted the fans to believe me. I mean, if I punched you, I didn't knock your teeth out. Uh, but if I used a forearm, uh, you got it all and you got it really hard. And, you know, and that's what made the business what it was. And Dominic liked that uh, because he, you know, he was an old school guy, too. You know, don't shortchange the fans. They're here to see a wrestling match.
2: Speaking of old school, maybe I get your thoughts on this. Um, I mean, at the time, Dominic was one of the top babyfaces, but he was also kind of the buffer, if that makes any sense. He, he, when they'd bring in the, the the heel of the month, the big monster, whoever it was that they were going to build up to a, a Madison Square Garden match with Bruno, they'd go through Dominic to get to Bruno. Sure. Dominic would be the baby face they would conquer, and then Bruno would be the one to have to stop him. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on, on how... How it was that that formula worked for so many years, in, in when yeah, in today's- you say you
3: say Bruno, but it wasn't just Bruno. It was the Bruno years, and then all the way into the Backlund years, right? I mean, it was it was a, year, it was a long no, time. Right. It was the same. It was either it was either if it wasn't Dominic, it was SD Jones in the later years. But it was one of the two of them was what got you through to Backlund in the Bruno years. It was probably more steady Dominic.
0: And and let me tell you something. When Hogan first came in. Uh, he worked all over the territory with Hogan and Dominic. All over. And and what would happen is, Vince Sr. Uh, would would get the guy that was, uh, you know, the, the, the guy that homesteaded was there, uh, he would say, okay, how was it? Uh, another guy that you could speak of like that is Johnny Rods. You know, Johnny did the test. Johnny did the test with many, many guys. But Hogan... You know, they didn't know what they had in Hogan when he first came in. And uh, and he worked all over the place with Dominic. And uh, he worked all over, and I'm sure that, that Hogan uh, learned a whole bunch from Dominic.
2: I guess this would have been the um, – this wasn't like the Sterling Golden years. This was still
0: – No, when he first came in. He first okay. Came, before he got a push, actually, I, I – I, I vividly remember that that Terry and I were sitting next to one another, and I'm pretty sure it was in Allentown for Allentown TV, at the okay. uh, at the fieldhouse. Is that a fieldhouse? Yeah, whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Uh, but we were in Allentown, and uh, and Hogan, uh, who has naturally dark hair, had a little design of chest hair on his chest, and. Uh, now, I'll only let you imagine what the design was. But anyway, he had this design, and I'll never forget, we're sitting there talking, and Vince Sr. was walking by, going to the office or wherever he was going, and boy, he put the brakes on, and we both looked up, and he said, Terry, go shave that right now. Right now. It, it was it was uh, a a female body part. Is what it was, right? And uh, yeah, I I looked at it and I said, I kind of whispered, I said, I told you that gets you in some trouble. I said, it, you know, you might have done that in Mobile, but <laughs> not in New York, brother, and it's not happening here. <laughs> Standards think, were a little you, different. You, huh? Yeah, you you couldn't you couldn't slip on a promo and say, damn or hell, they cut it. You know, so Jeez. you're going to have that thing on your chest, man. Vince stopped like he had air brakes he He backed up, and he went, Terry right now. Go shave that off right now. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but you know, that's when he was working all over the territory with Dominic, all over the territory, you know, and they would do different things. And you know Dominic was an encyclopedia in the ring. You know, he he forgot more than a lot of guys knew. Oh, yeah. you know,
3: I, I think it's fair to say that Dominic might have had, as much success as anybody correlated to the least amount of credit they get for it. Um, oh yeah. You know, but I talked to like Luke Williams a couple of years ago. I said, Hey, what about Dominic? Dinucci's? Oh man, he was a big deal down, you know, cause he was in Australia. He was in New Zealand. It's all these places, he was huge. He was big in California. He was big in Canada. Oh, he yeah. did a lot of stuff, but for some reason, he just doesn't seem to in, in history, I think he deserved. And, uh, you know, obviously he was always a good friend to Bruno and, and, and all that. And Bruno did everything he could to help him. And he had a good, strong career, but it is interesting. If you really figure out what this guy did and, you know, I think the problem is this, when you got into mainstream TV the Madison square garden started going national by that time, Dominic was losing a all of his success was pre-television explosion. And somehow it hasn't translated through the history books or or the dialogue. But, you know, you just didn't see a tremendous amount of Dominic DiNucci wins. You know, and if it was, it was just against guys that you saw lose most of the time anyway. And maybe well, that must I'll tell you, be it, because this guy did a lot.
0: Well, listen, you know, Dominic and, and Bruno and I uh, would have this discussion all the time. And, and the three of us were someplace, don't know where again. Uh, and I said, let me tell you what the problem here is. The problem is all of us uh, were 15 years too soon in this business. Could you imagine a Bruno or a Dominic if if we marketed ourselves the way that's done now? You know, like like somebody said to to uh, to uh, Ted Williams once. Well, if it was Ted, you know, if it was 2000, uh, what would you say to the manager or the owner of the Boston Red Sox? I'd, and Mickey Mantle said the same thing. He said, I'd walk in his office and say, hi, partner. You know, <laughs> that's, that's what I would do. You know, could you imagine a Bruno or a Dominic with the social media and and the marketing and the exposure? Oh, it's, uh, especially considering
2: it, just the – I'm sorry I mean to cut you off, but, I mean, considering the charisma, like, you – Oh yeah. You you, you you if you were to have one of those two in the modern era where half the show is interviews and promos now as opposed oh, to that, that wrestling thing that occasionally gets in the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it you know the, the 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 promos were a big part of our business. Some guys were really good at it, some guys were a little lacking in it, but if you recall, and now Bruno could do it in Italian or in English. Uh, you know Dominic was more comfortable doing a promo in Italian, and it, when he broke into that, if you guys remember watching it way back when, the promos were sometimes the most interesting part of the show. You couldn't wait to see intermission interviews with Ray Morgan and Bruno, and and I can tell you in other places like San Francisco. You know, when Dominic got on that tube in San Francisco and they handed him the microphone, uh, not only did he do it in English, he did it in Italian, and the same goes for Australia. Man, that sold places out. He he worked, I don't know how many weeks in a row, with Kowalski in Australia. Constantly. They didn't go out of the ring, not once. There was never any blood, not once. There was no cheap stuff. And you know why? Because they were both great workers in the ring. But also, the promo did it. The promo put those people in the seats. And when Dominic went up to work for Pedro Martinez in Buffalo, uh, when the big change was made with the IWA and everything, when Dominic went up there, uh, he Pedro was, was overdoing Bobo and the chic. It was constant, Bobo and the chic from Detroit up to Buffalo, up to Utica, you know, all those towns. And, and Dominic came in and said to Pedro, listen, I'll draw houses for you. He said, but what we got to do is no Bobo, no chic, And Dominic said, let's bring in Ernie Ladd. And brought in Ernie Ladd, and Dominic and Ernie Ladd turned the territory upside down. Upside down, there were houses that guys had never seen before. And, and another guy named Louis Martinez stood up in the dressing room one night. Now, Louis Martinez was a was a a real live road warrior. This guy did all the territories. He was great in the ring. He was a wonderful guy. Louis Martinez stood up in that dressing room and pointed at Dominic and Ernie and said, "All you guys and me included," he said. He said, "We owe something to these two because look what's happening to us." with the houses they're drawing. So, like I said, the promos, uh, you talk about Dominic getting people ready for Backlund or Bruno, you know, that that was a double-edged sword in New York. That was to see how good they were and, and what their limitations might be. Uh, but if you did promos, boy, oh, boy, that's what put the fannies in the seats. <laughs>
2: Well let me ask you something else then uh, you talk about putting people in and and the way cuz you you hit it on the head it's come up on the show multiple times dominic is without question one of the most underrated talents and, and I should say underappreciated talents you know for for who he was and what he did and benny ha- has gone on many times cuz he he gets a little more combative than I do <clears throat> he jokes about his moratorium he put on himself, but he's constantly, de- you know, there's constant debate discussion when people who got into the rest, got into wrestling, maybe in the seventies, eighties era, like someone late somewhere, I would say like late thirties to or late forties that era or that age group, you know, they, they only know people like Dominic and Mike Cicluna and some of those guys yeah. as jobbers to them, that's a job, you know, they're jobbers. All they ever saw was them losing and putting over the talent. And, and, uh, you know, even, I mean, even people like, like killer Kowalski and Ray Stevens, and some of these guys were by the end, there just, it, it, I mean, I, maybe not, I guess the term they would use today is enhancement talent, but all they were doing was just putting, the, putting over the new generation that was coming in with that huge influx of talent in the seventies into the eighties. But all right, well, no, I, I was going to say because that's obviously incorrect. That is that is wrong. They're not you,
0: you that t- way. You touch you touch the spot there. You touched the spot. Go ahead. First of all, first of all, I never. I, I I worked in the business for 20 years. 20, just a couple of months under 20 years. Uh, I worked a lot of territories. I was pretty lucky. I made a decent living. Uh, not not one time. Not one time did i hear the word jobber in a dressing room you, you in a you, you dressing in. room in a dressing room were wrestlers
2: absolutely you that's that was everybody the was had to a to job
0: and and you know what in all those years now now let me tell you something uh, and again i consider myself really fortunate i got to work in the ring with absolute legends Legends, Ray Stevens, Dominic, of course. Uh, I mean, I was a heel, so you know the the, the guys I worked with were, were for the most part baby faces. Uh, we never call them faces, by the way, which I see sometimes. Somebody said to Larry Zbysko and oh, were you guys ever faces? We just kind of stared at him. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> I also. I also don't know anybody that was in this business that never did a job. I don't know anybody. Uh, I, you guys might be able to smarten me up and tell me that there is somebody that never had a match and didn't get his hand raised. And I'll add Mil Mascaras to that because I saw him put people over, too, whether he liked it or not. <laughs> uh, and, and, and if he didn't like it sometimes he was working with a guy that he didn't have any choice because if you're you know we used to have another expression we could do this the easy way or we could do this the hard way yeah. however you want to do it so so you know Dominic Dominic Kowalski any of these guys were never never that term jobber no they were they were doing business the way business had to be done George Steele used to say it all the time. George Steele used to say, "I don't think I ever got my hand up in a house show." Well, think that over if if you really think you know about the business. Well, where do you want where does a promoter want George Steele to to look like a success? Well, on your television, that's where he wants it. Yep. He, he doesn't give a crap what it looks like in the sunnyside gardens. You know, as long as the people got their money's worth. You know, we'll think of something to bring him back in two weeks. So, so that was never, never a consideration. Oh, this guy's a jobber. That guy's a jobber. Listen, how many guys do you think Don Serrano put over? Don Serrano was one of the best workers in the business. One of the best. He was fantastic. He was fantastic. He wasn't a jobber. He was just a wrestler. He was just a wrestler. We all had a job to do we all had a job to do that was it Johnny Rods you know there's the gold standard for the wrestling business Johnny Rods you know and, and add Dominic to that and, and uh, you know Mike Cicluna all of them all of those guys
3: you know, for those that don't know Don Serrano he actually had Hulk Hogan's first match in Florida
0: wow um, there you go you, you know
3: literally literally first match and of course you would put a guy like Hogan in, or anybody who was brand new with somebody like Serrano because it really didn't matter what they'd do, a guy like Don was gonna carry him through it anyway.
0: Well yeah. Right. You know, you, yeah, that's more business. Till the bell rings I, I, what's gonna do what? You know, no, you, one of one of one of Bundy's very first matches before he was Bundy was with me. You know, Monsoon said, uh, he's really big. I said, yeah, I see that. You know, I, I kind of noticed that while I was sitting here. He said, you know, just uh, see what you guys can do. See what you, so you know what, everybody, if you know, back then, yeah, back then when you came into business, you know, now now I think when you come into business, the first thing somebody hands you is a belt for something. I don't know what the hell it's for. You know, some kind of belt, and then uh, you got your music, and, uh, you know, listen, I'll stand on the top rope, and I'll talk to the fans. And, uh, you know, guys like Bruno and Dominic, uh, you know, if you were working with them and, and you went and paid too much attention to the fans while you were in the middle of a match, they were right on top right of on you, man. Yeah. Be- because because the idea There's is ideas. I'm, I'm, in, an I'm in an athletic contest, contest. to contest. To win. To win. And and that's what I'm doing here. So am I going to argue with the fans or play around on the, on the, on the top rope or am I going to go wrestle? You know? So, so that was, that was the uh, mentality of the Brunos and the Dominics and the Kowalskis and the Mike Ciclunas. You know, you could, you could take a couple of seconds to work with the fans. Don't take too long. Don't take too long.
2: Yeah. You, uh, Davey, you definitely I didn't mean to strike a nerve I was getting to that 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 no that's a right. offensive term but
0: um well, I, I'm not I, offended I was gonna
2: <laughs> well I was gonna ask <clears throat> what your thoughts were on obviously you said everybody had to do a job and Dominic you guys have both told us stories that he's the consummate professional uh, you know how how other than then I'm gonna go out there and, and you're gonna get your hand raised how was he in the back working with a lot of the influx of the young guys and the new talent? And hey, you know we're gonna go out, we're gonna have a match. You know, I mean, you're you're about to go in the ring, however many minutes with Dominic. He, you know, he's you're gonna go over. Um, But how was he as far as working with the young guys? Because you've heard a lot of, we've had guys on the show, unfortunately, a lot of horror stories about some guys that were just not. They weren't easy to work with as far as passing their knowledge and helping the up-and-comers. How was Dominic with that?
0: Oh, Dominic was great like that. Dominic I was, was a, a natural, a natural yeah. teacher uh, with that. And what you would do is, uh, you know, the, the, the routine in the dressing room. Uh, I mean, you know, and keep in mind, if you've worked with somebody so many times, you didn't have anything to discuss before you went in the ring. We did it right there. We did it in the ring you know, uh, whoever the booker or the agent was would walk over and say, uh, I need, you know, I need 14 minutes, uh, get Dominic's hand up. I need 14 minutes to get Davy's hand up or, or whoever, or, or they'd say to you, uh, uh, you know, 15 minutes, uh, go through, uh, Broadway, or they'd say this many minutes and, uh, uh, DQ, whether it was a strong DQ or count out, whatever it was. But what Dominic would do with a, with a newer guy, he'd say, come on, kid, come with me and walk into the shower uh, and and have a discussion. And, and I am sure the first thing he said to a new guy would be, okay, listen, start out nice and slow, start out nice and slow, and we'll back it down from there. You know, the, can't rush everything through. Because the people can't see you if you rush things through. So Dominic was very good. And Dominic was so good that in the ring, you know, if somebody grabbed the wrong arm or was in the wrong position, he could fix that without the people even knowing about it. He could fix that without the people knowing. So he was he was from that uh, group of guys that, that, did that. Yeah, now you know, there were some guys that were a little hard to get along with uh, with stuff like that. Uh you know, Putsky is as close as Putzky and I are. Uh you know, Joe would uh, would be living his gimmick sometimes and, you know, think he's really Polish power. Uh he's a great guy. He's a great guy. But sometimes you had to you had to say, uh, Okay Ivan, well, let's let's don't get too excited here. You know <laughs> it takes takes two of us to do this. can't do it by yourself. you know if i if I do some jumping jacks after the Polish hammer, it's not going to look good for you. So you better take it easy. you know but but Dominic was a natural teacher. you know Dominic was a na- I'll tell you another guy that was, was was taught me was Frank Hickey. Frank Hickey was unbelievable. yeah, unbelievable. you know so that's that's that generation of those guys. You know, that's that generation. You know, Dominic was was such an all-around. And don't forget, he was a phenomenal amateur wrestler. He was was the real deal. He was the real deal. He was fantastic. But, yeah, he was really good with the newer guy, or a guy that uh, he didn't know very well. Or, or, you know, if a guy had to get himself over, Dominic would show him how to do it.
1: That kind of leads to my next question, though, is that... You know, as far as him becoming a trainer, was that just like the natural extension of how he helped everybody in the ring and he decided, you know, once he got a little bit older that he would, you know, actually devote some more time to doing
0: this? Well, well, you know what? I, that's probably a double-edged sword because, you know, there's this thing. I mean, I read enough about it. You know, once again, I didn't watch anything, but I see Flair was in the ring doing something. Yeah. Uh, you know, you really uh, gotta know when to not do this stuff and embarrass that's yourself. A whole, anymore. That's a
1: whole that's a a two show episode.
0: That's a whole nother show for you that's, guys that's, to do. That's,
1: that's a month's worth of shows.
0: Yeah, you're not kidding. But so so what I think happened, you know, Dominic was a very, very proud guy. A very proud guy. He he had he had character like not too many people do. And Dominic knew that you couldn't do everything that you used to do after so many years, you know it's not easy, man. It gets hard. The body kind of falls apart. You know you can't stop the clock. Uh, so I think to keep his hand in, to keep his hand in, he had uh, he was training people. You know it was probably uh, a financial thing too. You know he, he saw he could make some money doing that. He saw he could make some money doing that, you know, because don't forget that you know we 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 really didn't have a great pension plan with the uh, wrestling business. Uh, you know, I think it was none is what it was. Uh, that was the pension plan. It was called the save your money plan. Uh, and so if you didn't do that, which Dominic did, Dominic was pretty smart about that stuff. Uh, but you know, I think it was it was kind of a few reasons. He still got to be in the ring, which you know all of us would like to do that. Uh, and stay there. It's it's kind of special to be in there. So, you know, somebody asked an actor once, why do you why do you like to perform on stage? He said, well, it's like a three word answer. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah, all right. So that's hard to give up. That's hard to give up. It's fun being in front of the crowd. So so Dominic was so good at it. Was so good at it and uh, and patient about it. So you know he was a natural trainer, and he did that.
1: I have to go back a bit in, in history and it, this is just to illustrate what you guys had to go through. you know, I, in preparation for this podcast, I actually listened to the first episode when he was on, and he mentioned that he was, I mean obviously he was huge in Australia. I think he won the championship four times. And he beat a couple of guys named uh, Ray Stevens and Killer Kowalski, who at that time oh, yeah. both those guys were top ten in the entire world. So, I mean, he was a big deal. But he came back to San Francisco. And uh, I, was it maybe Roy Shire back then? Um, yep, sure was. Okay. And so he was going to stay there for, I think, six months in San Francisco. And he said mm-hmm. he loved San Francisco. And he wanted to stay there. He was just getting comfortable. He's I think it was 13 days in, he, uh, Shire said, Jim Barnett called and watch you back in Australia. Oh and yeah. So, yeah. And I guess my, the, the point of all it is like all of you guys, like how hard was it to maintain any semblance of a life with a family when you had to go? Oh through my stuff
0: God. Like Are you kidding? I mean, it was, first of all, you had a like being on the road. You really had a like being on the road. It's, it's a, it's a very hard life. Uh, you know, you you miss a lot of stuff with your kids growing up, and uh, you know you miss all the family stuff. You know, unless you're lucky enough to work in a territory where you live, uh, you know, and 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 quite often uh, you couldn't do that. You know, because there, there was some kind of unwritten rule, which I never liked, that said, well, you know what, uh, you you can't stay in your home territory uh, too long. You can't make money there. I say, why not? Shit, my home territory was New York. Now, there's no better place to make money than that. You know, but so so it was hard and, and Dominic in Australia, let me tell you something. And you know, Bruno was going to send me to Australia once, and I and I asked Dominic about it. That's one of the hardest territories to work, because the travel was unbelievable. You had to fly five times a week. You had to fly five times a week. And I don't know what you guys think about airports, and, you know, it's a nightmare now. That's but it was okay. never fun. To, yeah, it's never fun to be in a plane. You know, it's un, if you're big, it's uncomfortable, it's inconvenient. And, you know, back then it was easier. You know, back then, flights weren't full quite often. You could kind of spread out a little bit. But he, he was so, so successful in Australia that Barnett didn't want him, want him to leave. Didn't want him to leave. And and Dominic was doing pretty well in in San Francisco. He and Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson, uh, you know, they they were tearing the place up. They were tearing up. They were selling out that Cow Palace. Uh, But, you know, know, business is business, and and he went back, and he went back. But being on the road is, is just not easy. It's just not easy. I mean, you know, there's the phone call at home, depending on where you work. Uh, you know, if, if you're working, uh, what was the Mid Atlantic area uh, at the time? You know, some of their big shows were Thanksgiving Day. You know, Christmas they'd have a show. You know, guys would be on the phone. Well, did the kids get up yet and find their presents? Or, you know, okay, worry. Well, I'm in I'm in the hotel coffee shop having an open turkey sandwich. What are you doing? It's Thanksgiving. You know, <laughs> so, so that was hard. That was hard stuff, but, you know, Dominic did it. Dominic did it. Hmm.
2: Sal, let me ask you something. Um, We all know, uh, I mean, you, me, Benny, uh, some of Davey maybe in the experiences, uh, as as Benny joked, three, three and a half. Italian men have a unique uh, reputation for fiery independence, pride, uh, being somewhat demanding of respect, it's just kind of a thing that I mean I, I grew up with it in my family. I know Benny did too. Uh, when he he talked about the first show when he was on as our first guest, Dominic told a story about he how he got a check from Vince Senior <laughs> that was way lower than he thought it should be, and he stuffed it back in Vince's pocket and was like, "You keep this," you know. It was he was insulted, and I'm curious. Two two point question here. Uh, one, it, it was that specific event did, did did that ever come up again in Dominic's career and did, do you know of any other interactions like that with someone who had the reputation of being willing to stand up to the promoters
0: well who, who are you asking that question to Sal or myself it's Sal well,
3: I, I remember that one time uh, Animal told me they uh, they called Ole Anderson and said where's the other two-thirds of our check and he said it's in my pocket where do you think it is <laughs> um and the uh the, the Samoans said that um you know and I'm pretty sure the fact the story they went to the office in Georgia and uh Jim Barnett ran in the closet and locked the door and said why don't you boys just put in your notice and go and then uh they work with the Moondogs and in the Omni and, and you know then I think from there they headed to to Louisiana, but uh, as far as, it look, I'm going to tell you, you got two guys in my mind that were big stars in the WWF or WWWF that ended up their career on what fans might consider a low note. Um, one is Mike Cicluna, the other is Dominic Nucci. I think both of these guys could have went other places. I know Mike Cicluna, um they wanted him to go to Charlotte, and he would have done well in Charlotte. There's no question in my mind, but he was done traveling. So, and they didn't want to let him go. He didn't want to take the move, even though Crockett wanted him. He said, I'm going to stay here. Well, of course, if you're going to stay here, well, after a while, you know, and you're you're getting up there in in years more so, you've been on top a long time. Well, now you're going to start working underneath. But if you don't want to travel anymore, I'm going to tell you the same thing for Dominic. I mean, the guy had been on the road his whole life. Davey would know better. But there's just a certain point. You either got to go and, and put in some time somewhere else, and then they can bring you back again never time to start winding down unless you're you know bruno could have stayed on top for as long as he wanted. but for it not everybody is going to have that i mean you're just talking about such a tiny group of folks that could have that the rest you had to shuffle people in and out and listen i say it's a tremendous compliment say oh you don't want to go to charlotte okay well that's fine Well, we can't use you either. no you guys kept working they had steady jobs because they were good people and they had worked for years and, and if you ask me, they deserve the opportunity to stay home if that's what they wanted. They could have went somewhere else, made more money and finished up maybe then came back and finished up their career with some sort of a push, but they chose not to do that. And and that's okay. You know, so so no, I wouldn't think something like that. And if anything, to be honest with you, Dominic's the kind of guy that, you know, me or Davey shoving that check in Vince Senior's it was probably a lot less funny than Dominic doing it. You you know what I mean? Dominic's the kind of guy that would have almost made a comedy out of it um, or would have came across funny where, you know, uh, half Italian, Mr. Caruso over here or myself would have probably taken a
0: much different approach. Well, let me tell you that happened because they were giving Kowalski a, a little push again to work with Bruno and, Dominic worked in the garden with Kowalski. Uh, and it was the, uh, uh, I think it was the first show in the new garden. And and Kowalski was getting whatever he was, but anyway, uh, Dominic was working with Walter. And when Dominic got the check, uh, he was really, really disappointed with it. And uh, what he did was uh, uh, folded it up and he went to Vince Sr., and put it in his jacket pocket, in the breast pocket, stuffed it in, and he said, you need this more than me. That's it. He got in the car and he went home to Pittsburgh. And that's when he went up to Buffalo. That's when he went up for Pedro Martinez. In the meantime, he called Bruno, and Bruno said, are you shitting me? Why didn't you tell me what happened there? Dominic says I'm not taking that from that Irish son of a bitch. He says that's it. He <laughs> says that's <laughs> that. Yeah, oh yeah, he gave it to him good, and and right. that's, how, that's how that happened. It was it was due to a payoff after working with Walter. You know, because don't forget Dominic and Walter were owned Australia, so right. so he didn't think he was, got treated fairly. And, you know, Bruno stepped up for so many guys that didn't get paid the way they should have. Uh, you know, all Dominic had to say was something to Bruno, but keep in mind, there's there's that old wop mentality of his that says, you know, you didn't treat me right. He says, you're not going to get a second chance, you know. My, my no. grandfather used to say in Italian, You can ask me to forgive you, but don't ever ask me to yeah. be your friend. You know? <laughs> so so you that's know, how that the, happened uh, with the check.
3: After the that's, Shea that's Stadium show, happened. which obviously saved the company, um, because the company was in big trouble with, um, uh, you know, before Bruno and Hanson faced off at Shea Stadium, that whole thing was going to be a bomb. More than likely, the company was going out of business. They had the match. Bruno was not necessarily unhappy with his paycheck. He was unhappy about another part of the deal that didn't happen. But he was much more upset that he felt Stan Hansen was drastically underpaid. But, you know, when he wanted to speak up for Hansen, Hansen told him, I don't want to start any trouble. It's the biggest payoff I've ever gotten in the business. You know, it's okay. But it probably was not the right payoff. Um, Bruno certainly didn't feel it was because he knew that people were, I don't care what the undercard was. People were there to see Bruno and Hanson end of story because they weren't yeah. selling tickets before, yeah, you know? And, um, so, you know, sometimes you just get people that think certain people don't deserve to be paid. And that's not, of course, Hanson went on to a great career off of that whole thing, but it wasn't, didn't matter. It didn't even matter that Bruno was in a position because of Hanson. He felt he was underpaid. And, uh, but he said, that's okay. It's the most money I've ever made. You, you know, let's just, let's leave it alone. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dominic no, I, certainly couldn't yeah. do the same thing as Davey said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dominic, uh, you know, whether it was wrestling or anything else, uh, you know, he had, he was a very proud guy. He was a very proud guy. And, and, you know, if, if he, uh, sensed that someone was being disrespectful, That usually didn't go over too well.
2: Well, I mean, guys, I can't thank you enough for your time. And and it flies when when you hear these stories. And I love hearing them. Benny, as we wrap up, uh, final question goes to you. What are you thinking?
1: Well, a little mini rant, too, before my last question. So, and we've kind of talked about this, but, you know, I was on Facebook today, and, and social media is great, and it's not great. And, you know, the not great part is, you know, all these wrestling fans that think they're experts. And somebody said something to the effect, did Johnny Rods ever win a match? And I just, like, oh I went, Jesus. I, I went off on the guy. I said, do you have any idea, like, how good this guy was? And number one, I mean, he was the... He was the measuring stick of any any incoming babyface, or you know any or any any decent wrestler that came into the territory. That you know Vince McMahon would would, would match Johnny Rods against the guy to see what he had. And I said you know if Gino Hernandez was still around, ask Gino. What he thought of Johnny Rods. And and you know but it just drives me nuts because it, it's the same thing with Dominic and and you know uh, Baron Corso and people call him the disrespectful J Ward and I want to tell people like. Do, do your damn look up, you know. Be a student of, the, of wrestling. Do some do some research. Understand where these guys came from. You know, Baron Scheckluna main evented with Bruno. I think it was in nineteen sixty six, and actually the first That's match right. they had at the Garden, I believe Baron actually had Bruno in the Hangman's hold, and the only you're reason,
0: absolutely right. And Bruno
1: won the match by disqualification when I guess when Baron or I mean when Bruno kicked the referee, and the referee. The referee DQ'd Barron because of that. But it, it was like a 27-minute 27, 27 match. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that they went, they had a rematch at the Garden. But I'm sure they wrestled many, many times. These guys were big deals. You know, these fans oh, yeah. thought, do well,
3: you think well, 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 These guys card. were not only big deals, they were champions. These guys were right. tag team champions in many places. And Johnny Rods worked on top in California. He worked on top in Puerto Rico. He did win a lot of matches. These are guys with limited information, And a lot more mouth, certainly, than they have information. But the truth is, if you look at things, Johnny won a lot of matches. Um, You you know, he he, he definitely won matches. But these other guys were were champions, right? I mean, they literally held tag team titles. You know, the problem, look, when people say who the best wrestler is, Bruno used to say this all the time. Sal, they're talking about the era that they know, right? That's what they're talking about. But you can go all the way back to Gorgeous George, and there's all kinds of people. That guys today wouldn't give a, a hoot about but these guys you know drew money made money you, you know guys like the bruiser and the crusher these these guys drew tons of money but who's putting them yep. in the list of the top wrestlers and how do you define the top wrestler you, you know anyway you're, you're really, you you really you just don't you, you know it, it's very tough
0: yeah I mean Mike Cicluna Johnny Rods Dominic I mean come on <laughs> these these guys are absolute legends Absolute legends, and and I'm speaking from a fan standpoint. I watched Mike Cicluna work with Bruno, and I remember as a fan saying to myself, "Oh my God, this is this is going to be it. This is going to be it. Look at the size of this guy, and and he's going to beat Bruno." And I was a nervous wreck about it. And and the very first time I met Mike Cicluna, uh, I gave him a ride back. I I was in the business, and we were working in North Attleboro, Massachusetts and uh he said are you going back to the city and i said yep and he rode with me and, and that was my first exposure to him and you know uh, we talked for 4 hours and you know, I got the whole history. Uh, and I said to him at some point, I said, "Well, you know, Mike, I got to tell you, you know, a few years back, I really hated your guts. You know, I, I couldn't stand you. Uh, so, you know, mission accomplished as far as he was concerned.
2: You know, because
0: uh, he did his job. Yeah. And you know, I finally I learned to understand that stuff. But these guys to be maligned by people who think they know, well, you know what? I, I'll give you." I'll I'll give you the answer uh, that, that guys in my era, in my time, would give you. Well, you know what? You think I'm a jobber and I never want to match? There's one way for you to find out. There's one way for you to find out. Get in the and and th- yep. that, that's, that's also the answer when you hear the uh, fake question. Depending on the attitude it's asked with, well, you know what Johnny Valentine said. I can't, I can't convince you about what you're looking at on TV, but I can convince you that I'm not fake. You know, so somebody says to me, "Come on, that crap, that that's all." I don't know. You want to find out? Because all I need is about thirty seconds. All I need is about thirty seconds. You could find out if that's fake or not. You know, <laughs> or. So, you know, if you ever did that, and I saw Mike Cicluna and I saw Johnny Rods and I saw Dominic and I saw Davey uh, straighten people out in the ring, you know, newer guys uh, that that uh, didn't respect the business. Uh, and I also saw fans get straightened out uh, when, when they thought they knew better than us. So, but I guess that's all changed um... now
3: i'll give you a johnny rod story to close with so in 85 i think uh we went overseas to uh qatar and dubai and i was you know basically somewhat new um it certainly didn't know anywhere near what i know today it was i was just really getting my feet wet and johnny was on the tour with us and he was uh he was a fan favorite over there and the fans just cheered and cheered and cheered. Now, keep in mind, when I started going watching wrestling, Johnny Rods, I really didn't know him. I ended up flying overseas with him in the very seat right next to each other. And um, so I got to know him a little bit. Um, and I'd seen him around, but look, we didn't have a relationship, that's for sure. And But I did have one with Charlie Fulton. And I was so confused because the fans were treating Johnny like, he, you know, he was Hulk Hogan over there. And I said, Charlie, I don't understand. Johnny doesn't win any matches on television. And these guys are treating him. He said, So look, this is the way it is. Johnny may not win a lot of matches these days on television, he said, but these people see the WWF TV. Johnny's never get pushed around by anybody, including the Giant. They have respect for him, and they're treating him that way. And, uh, right. and Johnny, you know, I got to tell you, as great a heel as Johnny is, He's a fantastic baby face. We worked over there, me, him, and Tanako in that stupid salt. I mean, forget it. I, I mean, yeah, you, you know, this guy is just a whirlwind. If you ask me, he probably missed a lot of opportunity, but he only worked baby face in the WWE when he was working against, like, a Mike Sucuna or, or somebody like that. Then immediately the New York people would be cheering Johnny if he was in the ring against any heel, you know? So that's it just fantastic. goes to show, you yeah. know... the the wrestling fans over there looked at his, Hey, these TV stars are coming here. And uh, Johnny gave him every ounce of what he had, man. He was constantly moving and grooving. Um, you know, we were working over there every night. And of course, Tanaka was great and a uh, perfect guy to to work against Johnny. And we just had a, we had a great time, but you know, that's the difference between the fans overseas and, and, and the people over here, they appreciated how Johnny did what he did not the end result of of what, you know, the the match ended up being. And uh, and the fans back
0: then, the fans years ago appreciated what Johnny was doing. And, again, I'm sorry to be long-winded. Johnny and I worked 30 minutes in Madison Square Garden. And and I got to say, we tore the house down. And the next day in the New York Post sports section, there was a sports editorial that, that gave Johnny and I a really big compliment. Johnny Rods, one of the best ever in the business, along with Dominic, along with Mike Cicluna, certainly Bruno. You know, uh, I'm, so, I'm so lucky to be able to say, first of all, they were my friends, close, close personal friends, but that I got to uh, work in the ring with them and be in the business that they were in. Uh, these guys are legends, and they always will be.
1: You know, from Absolutely. my perspective, I'm, I'm go
2: ahead.
0: Go
1: ahead. Just, no, and go ahead, just a quick, quick comment. One of the most enjoyable things about doing these podcasts is hearing about the genuine love you guys have for each other.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the many, many times we spent more time together uh, than we did with our own families. And, uh, you know, a guy like Dominic, what, my kids were so close to him Listen, my son, my older son, was probably three or four years old. We had a house. We had a long backyard. Back in the back, there were woods and shed back there and everything. And uh, my wife and I are in a kitchen, and we see Dominic and my son David. Like I said, three, and maybe four years old. I don't know. They're walking up toward the house, and my wife says, What is that in David's mouth? Well, when they got close, Dominic and David each had a DeNoble, cigar in their mouth. <laughs> I went, wait a minute. <laughs> Dominic says, don't worry. It's a no lit. It's a no lit. I'm not let him smoke, but here's David. So my wife went, Oh my God, what are we doing? What's going on? You know? Uh, yeah, there was a love. There was a love with us. Uh, you know, we were, we were together for happy times with our families and sad times. And, uh, Mike Shiklun and his wife used to babysit our kids all the time. Uh, you know, uh, listen, to, you know, Johnny Rods introduced me to uh, my wife. There's, you know, there's all kinds of connections there. And, uh, you know, we're uh, a guy like me is lucky. I mean, I'm a nobody in the wrestling business. And and for you guys to even consider me having on this, uh, you know, on a podcast or any kind of show, uh, I'm um Unbelievably flattered, uh, but you know, let's let's call it like it is. Uh, Dominic Danucci and Bruno and Mike Cicluna and Johnny Rods—they're the—they're the real deal. They're the real deal.
2: Absolutely. You, you know, it, as we as we wrap up, Benny hit the nail on the head—the bond you guys had. It's interesting hearing interviews or talk, getting a chance to talk to some of the old guard that's still business today guys that were on the road you know 30 40 yep. years ago that are still working today and they'll tell you that the the wrestlers today while there is that brotherhood that always exists it's just not the same as the guys that were oh. on the road 300 days a year with each other
0: Yeah exactly you know how you, you know how you know you're really close to somebody when you could do a 500 mile road trip in a car and don't feel the need or the obligation to talk to them. You could just be quiet. That's how you know you're comfortable with somebody. Right. You know, there's no forced conversation. Put some music on, depending on who it is. That depends on what kind of music we're putting on. You know, that, that, uh, that's how that went. But that's how you could tell. I don't think the guys have that now. I don't think the guys have that now. But again, I don't know. You know, there's no territories, so they're never going to know that.
2: Mm, Crazy. well, As we wrap up, guys, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, I mean, this, like Benny said, we we you know every half these topics, half the stories we told, we could do an entire series on just some of those thoughts. But I mean, you guys both came out, and it's it's been a year; Uh, it's still a loss felt among friends and family and the business. And I mean, Benny and I are forever forever grateful. I mean, we we're coming up on 100 episodes of the show and we wouldn't we would not have been where we are doing what we can do without Dominic being willing to to sit down with us, you know, all those months ago. And so I guess final thoughts before we let you guys go. It's been a year. Do you think uh, where are we now as far as as things grow and, and more and more social media, like, like Benny was saying, people finding all these old clips, um, you know, it ha- has, has the memory changed at all? Or is, is this, is one of those legends story, larger than life kind of stories that'll just stay around forever?
0: Well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I mean, you know, we have, we have great memories. I think about my friends all the time you know, when I got some quiet time or alone time, uh, I get sad. I get sad. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm hoping uh, that this is all a dress rehearsal and we're going to be together again. Uh, I really hope that happens. Uh, you know, social media, I don't look at it all that much. I do check Facebook. Uh, unfortunately, I check it to see which one of us has died recently. Uh, I hate doing that. You know, uh, uh, we'll stay in touch uh, with some people. Uh, you know, I couple of guys I owe phone calls to. You mentioned one before, Stan Hansen. I haven't called him yet. Uh, I got a little lesson with Mike Jones here. You know what? If you got to make a phone call, just pick up the phone and do it. You know, don't wait. Don't wait to, to make that phone call. Uh, but you know what? We have our memories, and, and that's never going to go away. It's never going to go away. And I'll never stop missing my friends.
3: what about you um, you know well for look for me um i'm working on various projects with different guys so i've still kind of got my hand in it and I, you know i try to get you know friends like baby involved in as much as i possibly can um and there's a lot of other friends as as well and, you know you talk about stan Anson. and i spoke to stan today i've got him involved in the project and, um in a couple of projects actually. So I've still kind of got my hands and of course the book, you know, that as many people as have purchased the book, you know, on the Amazon site or through high spots. Um, I'm very appreciative and most people are very pleased with the book. I don't know that you can please uh, everybody, but most people are happy and, and and respectful and, you know, compliment you. So I've still got my hands a little bit in things and of course Davy's a little bit more in it than it sounds like he's saying, you know, very knowledgeable, and you know the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and all those, all those things. So as much as uh, we're out of it, we're we're still in it in, in various ways. Um, the way people look at history, I just mostly laugh because you you know that if these people were put in front of a, a true panel and had to defend their positions, they'd be they'd be laughed out of the room in a couple of minutes. But you know what? Yep. Money was their time, and you know they, they told me in the police academy. If you get called to a bank robbery and there's five witnesses, you will have five different stories. And you can just take that and extrapolate it out to most other scenarios. Um, You know, nobody sees the same thing and uh, nobody perceives it the same way. But um, it's good. You know, I'll always have uh, always have the book. But I will say that uh, too many people lately are passing Um, way too many people are passing. And, um, you know, sometimes you're halfway expecting it. And you know the call's coming, but with somebody like Blackjack Brown, nobody expected anything. And uh, so that was really when uh, Mitch called me and told me Blackjack had passed away. It it hit me pretty hard. Uh, Like I said, this is a guy I didn't get to spend as much time with as I would have liked, but when we crossed paths, um, we always did. Luckily, I was up in Michigan to see him a few years ago. We went to the Golden Corral and, and so forth. But, you know, he changed my life. I mean... I don't know when or if I would have met Bruno San Martino. The first time I met him in person was when I convinced him to come out and uh, manage his son, David, against Zabisco. And Paul Heyman was going to manage, um, Paulie dangerously at the time, was going to manage um, Zabisco. I mean, I had to convince him to do that. I think David pushed him a little bit too. So from both ends, he finally agreed. And then it took off from there. But none of that happens without Black Jack Brown. And he was not that old of a guy. And, you know, I heard from Offa a couple of times in the last week about this and it bothers him too. You know, so many guys are are, are moving on. So, you know, yeah, it's on my mind as we're, we're getting older, you just don't know when the next calls. When I call Stan Lane, he basically jokes around that the Undertaker's calling because every time I call him, it's to tell him who, who the last person who died was. <laughs> you know, or Jimmy Hart, same thing. Jimmy's a Sal. Every time the phone rings, he said, I'm just, you know, I'm hoping it's not another death.
2: Yeah. Yep. No. Well. The world, as they as they say, you reach the point in your life when life stops giving you things and starts taking them away.
1: So I have okay. to say one more thing really quick here. There, there was an episode of the Munsters where Herman got a uh, a ham radio, and he was talking to who he thought was the head Martian. And uh, <laughs> I guess the head Martian said, uh, uh you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tear your arm off and stick it down your throat. And, uh, and Herman said, well, you can't do that on a kind of, you don't know where I am. And I think the head Martian said, okay, then I'll just blow up the whole planet earth. But, um, <laughs> but I want to disagree with I want to disagree with Davey. Davey O'Hannon is definitely not a nobody. I mean, he's a somebody in my oh. book, and I think everybody, all of us fans, book. So, I, well, I, thank I, you. I, can I disagree with that. you, Davey,
0: because I'm too far away, and you don't know where I am. Well, that's all right. You're allowed to dis. That's a good disagreement. I like oh, okay. that. So, so I appreciate it. I,
3: I do remember the Munsters episode and the kid's father who uh, <laughs> who, who told him that. <laughs> Yeah, I do, I do remember that. But, yeah, Davey O'Hannon is another underrated guy, and he underrates himself. Um, Absolutely. And, 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 you know, guys like us will continue to boost them because they not only did a lot, it's the way he conducted himself. And the way several of these guys we were talking about, it's not so much what they achieved, it's how they conducted themselves while they were achieving it. And, you know, you don't hear people say bad words about these people. Well, there's a reason for that. You know, and then there's a lot of guys you don't
2: hear anybody say really anything too much good about. And there's a reason for that. Absolutely. Well, well, gentlemen, thank you again so much. I mean, obviously, hopefully next time we get a chance to talk, it'll be a happier topic. But I think some of the fun stories and, and talks we had today is a great way to honor the legacy. And again, I can't reiterate enough how important Dominic's been to the show. And again, your time, I know this might not have been the easiest conversation for you to have. So thank you again so much, Sal, Davey. You guys have been great and we'll definitely uh, have to reach out to you again at some point, And maybe, like I said, talk about something a little little happier.
0: And anytime. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Take it easy. Take it easy. You gentlemen, Take have care, yourselves guys. a great evening. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye,
2: guys. Well, there it is, Benny, one year since the, uh, I mean, it was one year since the passing and, and Dominic's done a lot and these guys had some great stories and times for him. So, uh, any final thoughts as we wrap up?
1: Yeah. And, and you know, they kind of, were talking about it at the end as far as you know, the brotherhood, th- that's not going to happen. There's not going to be a podcast 30 years from now where Ryback's going to be talking about chumming around with, uh, Daniel Bryan or anything like that. these guys are it's a totally I mean it's a different whole different game they you know pretty much all go their own ways they they're not driving four or five hundred miles to one you know one town you know wrestling getting and getting back in the car you know driving in the middle of the night to the next town stopping maybe at a 24-hour diner to get a hamburger I mean th- those days are long gone but I mean and I'm sure it was like when it was happening I mean it was very very inconvenient you know trying to sleep in a car and you know these you know, sweaty guys and but I mean, look at, look at the love they have for each other. And, and it's like I said, it's just such a nice thing to see. And I don't think that is ever
2: going to happen again. No, not in the slightest. Although <laughs> that's probably a bad example. Cause you, you don't need a podcast 20 years from now for guys right in the wrestling business today to be willing to tell stories about how much they all hate Ryback. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get what you mean. So, Hey, maybe we'll get lucky 20, uh, Twenty, thirty years from now, guys will be somebody will be on a podcast talking about this this Dan and Benny show they listened to when they were kids, and it's what got them into wrestling.
1: Or by then we'll be on like episode eight eight thousand or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll
2: we'll still be we'll still be talking about uh, some, uh, shit. Think about think about some of the talent today. And I'll we'll tell we'll,
1: we'll, cooker jokes.
2: Well, well, yeah, I was gonna say, well, yeah. You know, uh, when we get to episode eight thousand, we'll still be hyping up the upcoming pay per view between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, right? WrestleMania fifty seven. <laughs> but <clears throat> all right, Ben, it's been been great as always, and hopefully these guys, uh, you know, enjoy them, enjoy themselves for the evening. I know this wasn't easy for them, but obviously Dominic Dinucci, hell of a talent. You know, we we, we cannot overlook. Talking about him, and obviously, like I said, we're a year from his passing, and he's so important to the show. And we've got a lot. You and I were talking earlier today. We've got a lot of good episodes coming up here the next few weeks and months. So I mean, <clears throat> outward, upward, we continue to expand, and and some good partners. We got some big shows coming up to talk about, and of course, we wouldn't be uh, we'd would be reminisced without giving a special shout out as we wrap up as we close tonight uh, to. Jimmy Valiant and the 80th birthday bash he celebrated over the weekend, uh, big event. BWC had a uh, so packed to the rafters. So, yeah, and
1: uh, coming up in less than eight weeks, October the second is the graduation.
2: Yeah, and uh, they're going to have an honorary grad graduate, right?
1: Actually, I, I think so. I think I think you're actually uh, you're actually talking to him.
2: There you go. Well, for the BS Express himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Sebastian. I'll have a good night, everyone, and we will see you next time we're in the ring.